Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Nothing forced him to the cross. The Romans weren't, you know, he wasn't on the run. He walked right into it. He says, no one takes my life. I lay it down freely. With such a great love like that, Jesus said, now you guys, us, the church, fellow believers, we're to love each other like I've loved you. Number one, mature Christians are encouraging people. Number two, mature Christians are unifying people. And here's number three, mature Christians are rich people. Now, before you assume the bad thing there, let me explain what rich is here, okay? Did you know that when you prayed to receive Christ, if you've done that, if you've repented and turned away from your life and said, God, I don't want to go this way. This is a, this is a meaningless life. I want what you've done for me. I want what, what, what the pastor talked about, how your son died on a cross to forgive me. I want that. If you've done that, then you have the riches uh, that God has offered every believer, and they're amazing. Too many Christians today are living like spiritual, bankrupt, and indigent people when the riches of God have made them, uh, been made available to them. Why would the world want anything to do with people who live like indigent Christians? You know, we ought to be the people that they look at and go, why are you so happy all the time? You know, well, I have the Lord. Let me share this with you. I have hope. What do you mean you have hope? Don't you watch the news well, not as much anymore. I read my Bible more. Let me tell you, there, there's hope for you. We ought to be the people the world looks at and goes, wow, you're odd, but tell me about this hope that you have. Listen, to become a child of the king is to become wealthy beyond our wildest dreams. Gone are the questions as to why you're here. Gone is the fear of death and what comes in the afterlife. Let me tell you, that's the number one fear monger out there right now. The world is so afraid to catch this virus and die because they don't know what's going to happen next. And you know, if, we were, if that was us, we would feel the same way. If I didn't know what was going to happen after death, I'd be real concerned about it. Arrived is, are the answers to the purpose in your life. Arrived is the promise of life and a relationship with God. Arrived is your Savior's love and peace that surpasses all understanding, every reason we can have, we can have peace that surpasses it, even in the midst of this crazy world that we're living in right now. But if we're not careful to create a heart of remembrance and thanksgiving, we tend to drift backwards into our own life where we were bankrupt. We can't forget whose we are and what he's given us. Don't ever forget that. It's important that regularly we remember to look back and go, God, you've brought us so far. Debbie and I do that sometimes. We just sit there and we'll name you 20 things. Remember when God did this? Remember when we got to Idaho and we had 500 bucks in the bank and God gave us this you know, million-dollar property for nothing? Yeah, wasn't that amazing? You know, and do you remember the, the time that we couldn't build this building? We didn't have enough money, but... You know, these builders for Christ came from Alabama and a bunch of contractors and said, we want to build you a church. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. But you, you begin to remind yourself of what God has done for you, and then you can trust him going forward because you know if he's been good in the past, he'll be good in the future. He's promised that. 
but there are those that just walk around so defeated. Do you know someone like that? You ask them consistently week after week how they're doing, and the answer was something like, well, I'm alive, I guess. That's attractive to the world. So were they. (laughs) I could be worse off, I suppose. They start sounding like that, what's that donkey's name, Eeyore? Yeah. I'm still breathing, aren't I? Where's the excitement? Where's the joy of the Lord in your life? We have hope. We have the only hope. We have the only answer to what the world is afraid of right now. We should be out there just going, woohoo! You know, we have the answer. You want hope? You want peace in your life? Let me tell you how you can have that. Why would the world want anything to do with God if these folks are a byproduct of having a relationship with him? We ought to be the most happiest people out there. But here's what I've come to understand. A lot of these people that are like this, sadly, um, made a profession of faith early in their life. They didn't even know what they were doing, and someone told them they were a Christian. Well, say these words. Repeat after me, and you repeat this sentence. Now you're a Christian. And they've been raised and grown up like this. I'm a Christian, I guess. I don't feel any different. I don't feel like a lot of these people in here that seem to know Jesus personally. I mean, they're always smiling and stuff, but I I guess I'm a Christian. Um, You know, I come to church every week. But listen, if if you're not growing in that faith, I would question that faith. I don't want to make anybody, you know, concerned about their salvation that has a reason to believe in it. But God's given us you know, kind of a checklist of, of how we can know that we're saved. It's called the, the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus talked about this with his disciples on several occasions. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul lists them out here. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do you not realize that Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. He was talking to the Corinthians who had, had a faith, but then they were making really poor decisions. They were, they were actually sinning at church. And Paul's going, wait a minute, you can't do this and be a believer. Uh, you know, have you tested your faith? Are you growing in Christ? Maybe you're not. Many think that going to church is enough to save them. Well, Chuck Swindoll used to have this, this funny statement, but boy, is it true. Um, going to church doesn't make you... A Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Isn't that true? Man, if you've been coming to church for a long time and you're not seeing any fruit, you're not growing, you have little or no joy in your life, I would want to know why. There ought to be evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are some of the evidence of Christ in you. Now, it's not that you, you know, you've, you're, you've reached perfection. <laughs> I, I could say, I, I'm far from perfection. Um, I'm not where I want to be, but I can look back and say, thank God I'm not where I was when I came to Christ. God, the Holy Spirit is slowly and, and faithfully wove these things into my life deeper and with more meaning 
And I'm not, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm, I'm sure not where I was when I prayed to receive Christ. And I know a lot of you are in the same boat. But if, if you've never grown beyond that day you accepted Christ, there's a reason. We'd like to talk to you about that. There's a, there's a thing called discipleship that will teach you to grow in your faith and have a relationship with God and listen to the Holy Spirit as he begins to weave all these things into your life and, and you'll begin to grow too. A young girl became a Christian in, in an exciting uh, revival at her church, and she got baptized the following Sunday. And that afternoon, she ran through the house singing and dancing to her lungs, singing um, songs to the Lord. Her sour grandfather rebuked her and with these words. He said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, young lady. You just joined the church, and you're singing and dancing in the Lord's, on the Lord's day? Crushed by her grandfather's attitude, the little girl went out to the barn, climbed up on a corral fence, and observed an old mule. I think, hey, I think his name was Eeyore. <laughs> well, the old mule was standing there with a sad, droopy face and bleary eyes. As she reached over and patted the mule sympathetically, she said, don't cry, old mule. I guess you've got the same kind of religion that grandpa does. <laughs> wow. That's, that's too true, isn't it, sometimes? Man, we ought to have the joy of the Lord on us. Number one, mature Christians are encouraging people. Number two, mature Christians are unifying people. Number three, mature Christians are rich people. And here's last, number four, mature Christians are confident people. They live with a confidence in their life that the world can't even comprehend. Verse 2, Paul says, they're full of assurance of understanding. Mature Christians are confident in their salvation, and they're confident in their calling. They know what God wants them to do, what he's called them to do, what their gifting is, and working within their gifts, they're they're using their gifts to, to share it with other people within the church, to serve them. And then they're taking that outside the church into their communities, and, and they're the lights that, that Jesus talked about. You, know, you are the light of the world now. Well, they're, they're being the light. They're not just talking about it. They're going out and living as lights in the world. And the Word confirms their faith. Believers who are in the Word will have the Word in them. If you only read or hear the word preached a few times a month and don't spend time in the word apart from that, you are likely to drift away from the confidence that you have in your salvation and you will eventually lose that wisdom that God is trying to grow in you through the Holy Spirit. He's trying to speak to you through the Holy Spirit and the number one way he does that is through his word. In in the many hours I've spent counseling and discipling men, I can't remember a single one that was in deep water. I mean, out in, you know, leaving the reservation. You know, maybe you're leaving their family or just making a horrible decision. I can't remember a single one of the maybe hundred men that I counseled over the years. I can't think of one that said, "Oh, I'm reading my Bible every day, and I'm praying, but I'm going to turn around and destroy my family." Why? Because the two they don't walk together. Those two roads aren't even close to one another. You're walking with the Lord. You're probably not going to make that decision. You make that decision, you're probably not walking with the Lord. You can't be. The Holy Spirit would be shouting no. 
The opposite is also true. The most godly people I know, the ones that in the word regularly and have a passionate prayer life, are the men and women who are confident in their relationship with God and walk with him intimately. They have wisdom beyond their years as a direct result of their time spent with God. Listen to this statistic for a moment. See if it doesn't chill you like it did me. The average born-again Christian spends more time watching TV in a single evening than reading their Bible in an entire week now. Wow. Do we wonder why the world's falling apart? Do we wonder why Christians are are leaving their faith? Or, Or people that confess to be Christians? Here's a slide. It's hard for you to read. Let me explain it to you. If you could walk up here and see this, you would see that the far left blue are those that read their Bible every day. And, uh, you know, out of all the people, that, I think the, the, um, the pool of people was something like 96,000 people. So um, in the far left are those people that read their Bible every day. And then as you work your way across, the next one, uh, middle blue, is, is a, uh, they read their Bible every other day. And then you get to the last marine color one. And it's, um, they read their Bible three times a week. And then as you work your way over, it, it becomes every other day or um, once a week. And then when you get into the reds, it's um, a couple times a month. And then you keep working all the way over to where you get uh, the, the, the heaviest green or red. Uh, they will say that they read their Bible uh, once or twice a year. The black are the uh, people that... Um, you know, don't read their Bible at all, ever. They're the atheists. They would never open a Bible anyway. So that, that in that 96,000, that's what the graph, they, they do this. Um, and this is the decades of, as they've gone by to the uh, 2020 is the last time they did it. And what you're seeing is a, is a kind of a chilling trend there. All the way over to the left, that hasn't changed a lot. Those are the people that read their Bible every day that you're not going to convince them to do otherwise. And then even as you walk across, as you skip across there, the person that reads their Bible every other day, still reading it probably. But as you get to this middle ground, it's the middle people. Uh, they read it once a month or so. Notice how that's getting smaller, but the people that never read is getting bigger. So here's my theory, is that right now, faith is being tested like we haven't seen in our generation. People are fearful. People are panicked. And these people that are riding the fence that are neither hot nor cold, that's from Revelation. They're neither hot nor cold. They've been riding the fence for so long, they're jumping the wrong direction. They're jumping into the, with the people that never read their Bible. Listen, this is what I do every week is preach the word. And why? Because I'm hoping to grab some of those yellows and reds and pull them on this side of the fence and get them back to reading their Bible and getting back to praying and having a relationship with God. That's what this church is all about. It's about the Word. It's about the Word. It's about the Word. Because the Word will change you. It's the only thing that you can stand on with any confidence. No wonder... Many so-called Christians are questioning their salvation in this cancel culture now, and they're sadly jumping the wrong direction. 
Paul, being led by the Holy Spirit, warned of the times that we live in, I believe, right now, when he wrote 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now, 2 Timothy uh, is an amazing book. You should should read the whole Bible, but when you read 2 Timothy, understand this. This is Paul's swan song. He's been arrested a second time. Nero's had it with him. He said, you know, death sentence. Take him out and kill him. Well, they put him in a cell. He's about to be executed any day now. They're going to open his cell door to say, come on out. Um, He was beheaded because he was Roman. They couldn't crucify him. They could only crucify non-Romans. He was uh, half Roman, so they couldn't do that to him. But uh, so he got uh, beheaded. But before that, he writes the letter, 2 Timothy. Or, yeah, and he writes it to this young pastor, Timothy, who, who uh, was brought to faith by his mother and grandmother. And then he meets Paul, and Paul sees something in him and, and, and says, this, this kid's got something. And so he pours into him, and he disciples him, and he walks with him. And Timothy goes on his trips with him and, and writes letters for him and brings him you know, things that he needs in prison to drop off. And Paul wants to say one last thing to him, powerful words. Um, your last words tend to be very powerful. If you know you're about to die, a person's last words are, are pretty powerful usually. Here he is. He says, I charge you, Timothy, therefore, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom, Preach the word, exclamation point. I should have shouted that. Preach, this is it, Timothy. Don't get cute here. Don't start telling funny stories and then going home. Don't don't itch their ears and, and play games with these people. Make them feel good. Listen, Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, you, Timothy, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry, Timothy. Don't quit. Don't turn to the left or to the right, Timothy. You stay right in the sweet spot. And that's God's word. You give them God's word because that's the only thing that will change lives. So many fringe followers are panicked today, but those who are true believers, those who walk with God regularly, read his word, believe, and walk in the knowledge therein, and those who pray for guidance to walk in wisdom regularly will experience peace in the storm and confidence in this increasingly chaotic world. God's word is not short on encouragement. Here's a few of my favorite. When I, uh, when I begin to lose encouragement and I become to, you know, I need to be encouraged. Here's some of them I've written down over the years. David in Psalm 73, 26 says, my, fl- my flesh, my heart may fail, but God is my strength in the heart and my portion forever. Here's Paul speaking 
Romans 15, 13. He says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was writing these words to Christians who were being thrown into um, the lion's dens and, and other places. They were being murdered uh, for entertainment. These people are in serious, dire straits. Paul says, listen, abound in the hope of the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 56, 11, here's David again. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? David knew, hey, you take my life, <laughs> I wake up in heaven. Big deal. What can man do to me? Hebrews 10.23 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. That means to hang on to it, to grip it with a death grip. Hang on to the confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's why it's so important to look back and remember what God's done for you in the past. He will be faithful, and he is with you, and he will take you all the way through. He will walk you all the way home to heaven. So if you haven't made a decision to follow Christ, I would encourage you not to leave this room. It is too dangerous to walk outside. I would want to know where I'm going this morning before I took another breath. Now's not the time to drift away from the church. Now's not the time to stop reading your Bible. Now is the time to double down on what's important. Remaining faithful to God, remaining faithful to his word, to sharing the gospel and drawing close to one another as we encourage each other, as we see the day approaching, we should link our arms and be strong together. In short, becoming that mature believer that Jesus has called us to be. Matthew 24, 13 warns us this, in the end days, this is what Jesus the disciple, he had just talked about this, and the disciples pull him aside and say, hey, when is this going to happen? You're talking about this coming back, and it's going to be really horrible uh, during the days just before you get here. When's that going to happen? Jesus says, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Whew. Watch the news and, and, and you'll see all these things. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence. You know what pestilence is? It's a disease. Wow. And earthquakes. I was just reading about there's like five major earthquakes that have happened in the last two weeks. There'll be earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to, uh, to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. Boy, we've made it a sport to be offended in, in, in the United States. Seems like everybody's offended by something. You know, you can't breathe without offending somebody. And then many will be offended, and they will betray one another. Wow, can you imagine how that might play out? Your neighbor starts turning you in for doing things or saying things. Or Facebook, you know, turns, boy, I'd be in a world of trouble if they ever stopped that. And they'll hate one another. Have you ever seen America like this? 
if you told me that it was going to be like this two years ago, I'd have thought you were crazy. America hates one another. It's quickly being divided into so many pieces that different factions and groups hate each other. And boy, social media is now unsocial. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, (laughs) the love of many will grow cold. Listen, Jesus talks about this in Revelation 2. He, he, he talks about churches, the, the different churches there. And he says, listen, you have a little strength, but here's your problem. Your love, you've lost your first love. Man, I don't want that said about restored community church ever, that we lost our love right before Jesus comes back. May it never be so, and I don't see it. There's a lot of love in this church. We got to keep loving. How do we do that? We come together every Sunday and we link arms. We use our spiritual gifts to, to serve one another. That's how you keep your love alive. You keep your love alive by being in the Word. You keep your love alive by keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the fin- finisher of our faith. And then verse 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. I believe with all my heart Jesus is coming back soon to rapture us home to heaven. Here's the only question I think is, uh, that I want to ask is, will you be found faithful when he shows up in the twinkling of an eye? Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.